Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This is EM Clerkship's secret residency curriculum, advanced content designed to test graduates of EM Clerkship, and today is round number 11 of the game. Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the full case. He does not know what the case is ahead of time. And if Mike hits all of the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, he wins. And if he doesn't, or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They are not actual ABEM cases. They are not spun from ABEM cases that I had. They are certainly not real patients. So let's get going. How you doing, Mike? Hey, Zach. I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Are you ready to rumble? I am ready. I'm excited for this one. I even made some last I made some last second adjustments just to just to make it extra special. Lovely. All right. You ready to go? I guess so. Okay. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil, place the paper sideways in front of you, outline a human body on the left side of it. Let me know when you're ready. Uh I am, let me move my paper. I am ready. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete this case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? No questions. All right, let's begin. I'm going to start my timer. All right, the timer is going. Dr. Estefan. You are working at ABEM General. You're having a busy day. You're in the middle of seeing a patient with toe fungus, and you're getting paged overhead to resuscitation bay one for an ill-appearing patient with a headache. Okay. Um, so I walk into the room. What do I see? You see a 60-year-old male. Uh, he looks to be having head pain. He's holding his head. Okay. And do we have a, a age on this guy? Um, yes, he's 60 years old. 60 years old. Oh, you just said Six that. Six zero. Six zero. Okay. And do we have an opening set of vitals? Yes. His heart rate is 99. His respiratory rate is 18. His blood pressure is 180 over 110. His O2 saturation is 94%. And do we have a temp on him? 98.9. 98.9. Great. And do we have a name? Yes, his name is Samuel A. Hemingway. Oh, I thought we were going to go with Samuel Samuelson. Um, all right, Samuel, hi, my name is Mike. I'm one of the resident docs working today. What's bringing you to the ED? Uh, doc, I'm just having this horrible headache. Pain in my head. Okay, when did it start? It started just prior to arrival. Okay. Have you ever had a headache like this before? Heck no. This is terrible. Okay. You having any other symptoms right now besides your headache? Uh, not really. I mean, the light is bothering me, but no, just terrible headache. My whole okay. head is just in pain. So some photophobia. Okay. Do you get headaches often? Have you ever had a headache like this? No, I don't. I'm not like a headache person. I'm really not. Okay. Um... Let's see. Do you take any medications? I do. What do you take? I take lisinopril, atorvastatin, warfarin, and vitamin D. All right. You're on warfarin. 
Alrighty. Um, okay, and do you have any allergies to any meds? Uh, yes, my allergies are nicardipine and iodinated contrast. Alrighty. And did you have any trauma or anything like that before coming in? Um, yeah, I, I, I passed out. I hit my head. I, I'm bleeding from the head a little. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Did you lose consciousness? Yeah. Okay. That's how bad it was. It was a really bad headache. It made me pass out. Okay. Um, do we have access on this guy? No. Okay. Uh, can we get two large bore IVs, put them on the monitor? Um, and let's see. Sir, do you have any medical problems? Um, yes. I have a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, peripheral vascular disease, atrial fibrillation, osteoarthritis. All right. And can we get a blood glucose on this guy? I'm sure his blood glucose is 110. 110, great. Okay, let's see. All right, um, I want to start out with some basic labs for this guy. Can we get a CBC, a BMP? Can we get coags? Um, and we'll draw a rainbow, but send those for now. Um, and I would like to ship this guy off to CAT scan for a CT non-con immediately. Actually, before we ship him off, uh, let me just take a look at him. Um, just looking at the guy, what's he look like? Um, he looks like an otherwise healthy gentleman. He's holding his head. He looks like he's having a headache. Okay. Is there any active bleeding going on from his head or signs of yes, trauma? Yes, he has, he has blood coming from the right side of his head. Okay. The scalp, is... the parietal skull. He's got a one centimeter lack there. Cool. Um, hemostasis achieved? No. No. Okay. Um, all right. And any other signs of trauma? Like head to toe? We cut his clothes off. Any bruises? Any other signs of bleeding? No. Good pulses in all extremities? Yes. Uh, heart and lung sounds? Normal. Okay. How's his belly? Soft. Soft. Great. Um, okay. All right. Um, can we get a pressure dressing on that head and then take him to CAT scan? All right. Pressure dressing has been applied. You've taken him to CAT scan. You said CT head with non-con, correct? Not non-con. And we can get a CTC spine as well while we're there. CTC spine. Okay. He's back. All right. Um, and now that he's back, could I do a neuro exam on him? Sure. What would you like to know? Uh, cranial nerves. Normal. Okay. Strength. Normal. Reflexes. Normal. Cool. All right. Um, hmm. And I guess while things are cooking, I'm really all over the place here. Um, could I get an EKG as well on this guy? Um, EKG is normal. His labs are back. Okay. His CBC is everything's normal. Um, his BMP is normal. His coags, he has an INR of five. Ooh. Okay. I think that's all you sent. And do we have anything on that CT head yet? Um, sure. The radiol you call the radiologist. 
says, yeah, I'm taking a look at this. This doesn't look good. Is this guy, did he hit his head or something? Yeah. He's got hyperdense material in the subarachnoid spaces. It looks like he's bleeding. looks like he has a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Ooh. Okay. Um, all right. So there's a couple things I want to do for this guy. Um, number one, we can page neurosurgery right now um, and get that cooking. Um, but there's a couple things I need to do. So I need to reverse his anticoagulation. Um, I need to give him some kind of anti-epileptic. Um, and I need to control his blood pressure. Can we recheck his blood pressure? Sure. His blood pressure is 180 over 110. One, all right. So we got to get that down. I think that's got to be... Oh, I forget the exact number. <laughs> um, well, we're not. I think 180 over 110 is like TPA for like ischemic stroke. That's the cutoff for a subarachnoid. I think it's 160 over 110, but I'm not entirely sure. But of course, he's allergic to uh, nicotine. Um, what are the odds? Yeah, yeah. What are the odds? Um, <laughs> so, I don't, is this a question that pharmacy would be able to answer? Um, probably not, right? Um, what's your question? Um, I have a patient here who I want to... Um, oh my gosh, wait. I know the name of a medication because we, we've used this. And I am blanking on it. Starts with a C. Mm. Okay, well, I'm not gonna remember that. We have a patient here with a subarachnoid and his BP is a little high and I want to bring that down. He's allergic to nicardipine. Um, do you have any other second line options? Yeah, there's a couple. What would you like to use? Um, <laughs> How about a calcium channel blocker? Like nicardipine? Like something similar that doesn't have cross-reactivity. <laughs> um, usually what we would do next is we would use labetalol. Labetalol? Okay. That should work. Interesting. Okay. I was going to recommend that, but I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah, we could um, tell you were thinking that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's give this guy 10 of labetalol. Um, okay. and I'm also going to give this, I also, while I'm on the phone with pharmacy, um, this guy has an INR of five. He's on warfarin for his AFib. Um, I know we would normally give like K-Centra, four factor PCC, something like that. Um, would you be able to help with the dosing for that? Um, sure. Uh, we recommend 35 units per kilogram. Okay. What's his INR? Sorry. It's five. I saw that it was five, 35 units per kilogram. Okay. Um, so we can, and that's of the, the four factor PCC? Yes. Okay. So we can do that um, to reverse his anticoagulation. And then um, do you guys recommend also giving like 10 milligrams of vitamin K as well for the, the delayed effect? Sure. Okay. Yeah, it seems reasonable. All right. So we'll do 10 of vitamin K as well. Um, and then 
neurosurge at my hospital. Actually, I don't know if I've seen subarachnoid, like a bad subarachnoid that we gave anti-epileptics to right away. But um, let's load this guy with Keppra. Um, we can give him three grams of Keppra. Um, you said his BMP was normal, his renal function was normal? Yes. Okay. Yeah, let's give him three grams of Keppra. Okay. And um, I would like to get, if not neurosurgery, the neuro ICU on board as well. Um, what's right. What's his blood pressure after the labetalol? Um, it's 175 over 105. Oh, okay. So not yet. Um, can we do another 10 of labetalol? Sure. Another 10 has been given. Okay. And let's recheck that blood pressure. Uh, 165 over 100. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. I'm going to give another 10 of labetalol. Okay. Let's go. He's 150 over 90. All right, I will take that, I think. I'm actually not sure, but uh, for case purposes, I will take that. Um, could we, could, uh, has neurosurgery gotten back to me? Uh, yeah, they're on the phone. Hey, what do you got, Mike? Hey, we have a six-year-old male, head trauma, um, with positive loss of consciousness, uh, big subarachnoid bleed here. Um, his neuro exam is normal. We revert, he's on warfarin as well with an INR5. We reversed his... Um, his warfarin with P four factor PCC and vitamin K. We had to bring his blood pressure down initially. He was 180 over 110. Um, we gave him 30 of labetalol total, and he's now 150 over 90. Um, and we gave we loaded him with three grams of Keppra uh, for seizure prophylaxis. Uh, is there anything else you would like us to do for him? Yeah, do you mind ordering a CTA? His, I'm sorry, oh, his CTA. He's allergic to uh, contrast. Oh, geez, good pickup. Okay, then we'll take care of it. We'll figure out something else. And that ends your case. All right, all done. Did pretty good on time on that one. You were done about a minute and a half. Yeah, you are done right about on time, about a minute early. So good job. Your speed and your you said you were out of you were, you felt scattered, but I, I didn't feel like you were. How do you think it went? I think it went okay. Um, I the, there's a lot of aspects of this that um, I you know know the general management, but I don't really know the specifics. Um, as like an intern, usually um, like I'm not taking the lead on these cases. It's usually the two or the three. Usually the three. Um, so I'm not usually intricately involved in managing their blood pressure or making this phone call. Um, That's tough if you're not usually that involved in these yet. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I try to pay attention, you know, anything interesting, anyone critical that comes in. How, how, so you said you had some difficulty knowing, like, the specific management with, like, the agents that you would use. You got the, the coagulopathy stuff pretty well, though. I mean, you can always... I mean, in theory, you should know some of these doses, but I don't necessarily think that they would expect you to know the dose, the specific dose of like four factor, you know, on the 
oral boards, maybe you'd lose some points, but generally speaking, it's fine to ask pharmacy. If you have a specific medication and you're like, can you help me with my dosing? Or you can also say like, I'd reference my, my standard reference text I keep in my pocket or something. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. No one has like every dose of everything memorized. And even if you did, you still, I still check just to make sure that I'm not getting it confused because it's a, you know, checklist manifesto, right? You don't want to make error. So I I think it's fine to ask pharmacy for help. Although you would need to be able to name an agent. I don't think that you could just say like, Hey, do you have any ideas on how to treat this? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I actually, so I just Googled the, the drug that I was trying to think of was clavidipine. Um, clavidipine yeah interesting i've never used that i've never ordered clavidipine before yeah it's another um dihydroperidine calcium channel blocker that um our ccu at jeff likes to use for um blood pressure management and dissection patients um and i know it's a calcium channel blocker so i was thinking you know if he's allergic to nicardipine this is what we would i don't know if you had to stay along the calcium channel blocker kind of pathway or if a beta blocker would be fine i mean libetalol was in the front of my head but i wasn't sure if it was the specifics of a calcium channel blocker that um were kind of indicated for subarachnoid or if libetalol would be okay yeah and libetalol is one you see commonly i mean you see that with dissection is like a medicine you can use for that it's someone it's one that you commonly use for like strokes when their pressure's a little too high and you want to give them tpa mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you'll you'll use labetalol your dosing was a little bit strange you actually didn't farm didn't ask pharmacy to help you with the dosing on the labetalol so you were your dosing was a little bit soft on that okay um Generally speaking, I mean, you can give 10, like what if, you know, sometimes you give labetalol or something for reasons and it's not like a true hypertensive emergency. Fine. Not even getting into that. But generally speaking, you'd give them maybe like 20. And even if you thought that maybe that made you nervous, still you're going to be like doubling that dose and you keep, you did a good job of like rechecking it and giving more, but you can go up. Your dosing was pretty soft. So like according, I have the Presser Dex book. Do you have the Emra Presser decks? I do. Booklet? Yeah. So I was flipping through it as you were going um, just to make sure I was getting doses and stuff right. But um, see, even I don't have these memorized. But it, what it says is you can do 20 milligrams IV. You can double the dose every 10 minutes. And you can give up to 300 milligrams. So they, it's like you're really hitting them with dose, 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 trying to get that blood pressure down. Okay. What? Um, what was your blood pressure target? I guess we didn't really discuss that in the case. Yeah, no. Um, that was another thing. Do not know the number. I was So I know for TPA, I think it's, it's either 180 or 185 over 110 to give TPA. It has to be less than that. Correct. Um, but for subarachnoid, I wasn't sure. For some reason, 160 over 110 and then 140 over 90 both stick in my mind. And I was going with the 160 over 110. Good. You're actually, that's actually pretty good. So in a, it's, it's controversial is my understanding, limited understanding. I'm not a neurosurgeon. Maybe it's not controversial anymore. Last I heard it was really controversial and I was actually pulled into a peer review on this. So I know this pretty well and what the data says on this. So generally speaking, a lot of places right now, so far in my experience are taking these bleeds, any sort of intracranial hemorrhage or subarachnoid hemorrhage, and they want them less than 140. Okay. Is my experience. Um, So I would imagine that that's probably what the neurosurgeon would want. 
I don't necessarily, I think that's actually been studied and potentially may lead to worse outcomes and that the goal should be less than 160. But again, it's very controversial because what you're trying to do is you're trying to decrease their risk of bleeding more by lowering their blood pressure down. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is as you get vasospasm and all that reactivity in the brain from the bleeding, if you lower it down too much, now you're going to decrease your cerebral perfusion pressure and you actually get some more damage to the brain than you would have had if you left it a little bit higher. So as far as the specific goals of it, I, I think going less than 160 is fine and touching base with whoever the consultant is and saying like, how you want me to go 160, 140, what do you want me to do? Um, I've seen a lot of them go 140, although I haven't had, I've had many more. That's, I've had a lot of like just kind of intraparenchymal type hemorrhage stuff, like hemorrhagic strokes. Okay. And they're definitely going 140 on that in my experience. Um, but you know, it's not going to all be intermediate immediately too. And they also can put in freaking like, what are those? They drill the brain and they put in a little pressure gauge shows how much I know about neurosurgery. <laughs> um, uh, intracranial pressure monitor thing. Um, yeah, I, so, to be honest, I've never seen one of those, but I know they exist. So yeah, a little bit a little bit more on the antihypertensive management on him with like a backup agent and kind of the blood pressure goals. Although I think you kind of knew the blood pressure goals. You saying it's 140, 160, that's kind of what everyone thinks. They're kind of in that range. So you're actually correct with that. Um and then you did a, what you did do a good job of, and this is what you're going to need to do on the test too, is you rechecked it. You give it, and then you recheck it, and you give it, and you recheck it. Because if you just give it once and you never recheck vitals, that's like you'll definitely lose points for that. Okay. Um, I thought your uh, coagulopathy reversal was good. Um, you hit everything. You gave the vitamin K. Um, you gave the the um, the PCC, and. I th- my understanding is that you give 35 units per kilogram and it's all based off of INR. That's generally what most texts say. Although I, I would imagine that you could probably maybe give a little more than that and it wouldn't be frowned. I don't know. I, I gen- Most references are going to say to give like a certain amount based off of what the INR is, but I've seen pharmacy just sometimes just be, if you just want me to give the, you know, the 5,000 or whatever and just like kind of the full amount and I think if you have someone who's super therapeutic INR with a subarachnoid hemorrhage, like that's not unreasonable. Okay. I would imagine, in my opinion. But um, anyways, I went with what the text said. Um, you did a good job of the Kepra. I I don't know. Have you heard that that's strictly like indicated now? I, last I heard it was kind of like debated, but that was like I haven't looked into the anti-epileptics and subarachnoid hemorrhage for like two years. When I was on trauma surge um... – we would get, even though it would be like a neurosurge patient, um, the small subarachnoids that they're not going to intervene on surgically would come to the trauma service. And so I remember Kepra loading like all these people. You're uh, Kepra. Okay. Yeah. But I'm sure it's like um, institutionally dependent. I'm sure it's like internal policy. Um, the goal of this case, so I'm going to start doing this with more of the cases. So what I was trying to do was to have – you're not falling for it anymore, but I was trying to speed you into like an early diagnosis and to move too fast on something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
I was trying to lead you straight to subarachnoid hemorrhage with right away. Like everything, it wasn't going to be subtle. It was going to be very obvious. But I wanted to have little landmines kind of scattered through there. Like the fact that he was bleeding from his head, the fact that he was on warfarin, the fact that he was allergic to nicardipine and ionated contrast, you know, <laughs> like I was just, all of it, I was just, and then having the neurosurgery again, come back and ask you to get a CTA, which normally would be a potentially very reasonable thing to order. You know, I was trying to trap you everywhere and you didn't actually step into any of that. Um, so that was good. I, you did do the exam and, and, um, I maybe gave it to you a little bit, but with the bleeding, I don't know. You might have almost missed the bleeding from the head. And that's one of the really hard things you'll find on the test is that you're taking the test and you're so used to how much of your examination is visual. Mm -hmm. And you probably do this. Like there's some patients where you almost don't even touch them. You can do your full exam just by looking at them yeah. and get all of the points you need to build a chart. Just like, oh, yeah, their face is atraumatic and their eyes are, look normal and there's no – their conjunctiva is fine and there's no respiratory distress. And you can almost do like a, a full exam that's hands-free. And you're so used to how much you can see that on the – and I think I've given you this example before that on the test it's hard and that this wasn't a test case. But I still remember one of the practice cases I got where they had an LVAD, right? And you're just so used to like, oh, the giant humming machine hanging from their chest. But unless you just say like, do they have anything connected? You know, do I see anything else hanging from them? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. You, you miss it. And so yeah. that that's one of the things that I found really hard was – not, not visually getting any exam because I'm a visual person. So not having the visual cues sure. of, for example, someone's just oozing blood from their head. Like you have to actually ask on the exam, like, do they have any evidence of trauma? Am I seeing any, you know, you have to go through it and actually verbalize it. And so that's hard. But I was trying to just kind of make sure get we're I'm still working on getting your form right here. And I think you did pretty good. You actually didn't miss anything. You did an exam. You ordered your tests. You actually took your full history. You didn't really ask a surgical history. You didn't ask a social history. You didn't ask a family history. Mm -hmm. um, but you got the big stuff. You did the medic the medical history, the meds, and the allergy list, and those were all critical in this case. So I thought you did a really good job of that. Your form is getting Good. Um, critical actions on this case, full neuro examination, which you did. You got a CT without contrast, which you did. You got a neurosurgery consult for subarachnoid hemorrhage. You reversed the warfarin coagulopathy. And then the last critical action was um, the antihypertensive administration, controlling that blood pressure. I think you struggled with that a little bit because you didn't know a backup option, although that's a hard one to get if you, you know. If you're well, so, not even used to managing the blood pressure and then the one agent you've seen used they're allergic to, <laughs> it's kind of, it's a little, it's a little well, unfair. So, so here, here's my question. So, and this is what I was trying to get at. And when you said vasospasm, it, it clicked a, uh, a trigger in my brain. Isn't that why we choose to use calcium channel blockers for these patients to reduce vasospasm and not beta blockers? That's a good question because I know that they give that oral – what is it? Nemotapine? They'll give like oral nemotapine because they yeah. think that that – So I would imagine yes. I wasn't really thinking that when I was coming up with the blood pressure thing. So I would, that, I would imagine that's why – like I would use nicardipine first too. Yeah. I think most people would. Exactly. And that's and I why I was trying to come up with why. the clavidipine. I knew I started with a C, but – and that was – um kind of why I asked that question in a really weird way. Like, do you have a second line calcium channel blocker? Uh, well, and then you have to get into the cross reactivity and stuff. So if you, yeah, whatever, we'll give you credit. That's fine. We can give you credit. Cause <laughs> you're, but in, oh, 
okay, so time out. And I know for a fact that there's pharmacists listening to this right now because you email me and you nitpick on every single one of these cases. <laughs> and I go like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. So all of you people out there who are like, I, I know what you're thinking. Comment below in the episode notes or send me an email. <laughs> we'll figure. Then I'll just add it on in like an addendum to the show notes or something. <laughs> oh Someone out there is like an expert on this, guaranteed. It's great. Um, it's, it's not me. Um, but I was, you know, presser decks, basic stuff. I think you did pretty well in this case. I, you got, the, again, the point of this case was to make sure it was the same thing as like we did with the cardiac arrest and a lot of these things where I'm trying to rush you into an early diagnosis and get sloppy and miss stuff that's important. And you didn't. So, you know, as far as that goal, you definitely achieved that. So I'm proud of you, man. You're getting good. Thanks, man. And especially for everyone that's listening, he's an intern. This is his first year. He hasn't even completed residency yet. And he's freaking nailing it and coming up with weird drugs that start with a C. So that's pretty, you know, that's good. <laughs> and I'm also doing lateral canthotomies on uh, <laughs> patients with non-traumatic elevated ocular pressures. So, Yeah. That one <laughs> we're going to play for you on graduation day, I think. Uh, that would be great. I saw somebody with glaucoma the other day, and my immediate thought was, I am not doing a lateral canthotomy. <laughs> I, I am honored that you thought of me, Zach. But. And then I, I told someone, because I worked with other people in the department, I was like, hey, I got his patient with you know glaucoma. And they were like, did you do a lateral canthotomy? Because all of my partners and stuff listen you know, to you, too. Oh, my God. So that you're famous. Is, that is great. That... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, how's, how's residency? Uh, residency, residency is good. I'm on peds finally. Um, we get like, you know, peds volume pretty much at my home institution. So instead of having a longitudinal experience, like a lot of, a uh, lot of EM programs in the country, we have it condensed. So we have like four weeks, our intern year. I think we have nine weeks next year, including PICU and PDM, and then like six weeks our third year. Um, so I'm finally seeing kids. I'm finally starting to feel a little less crap my pants every time I see a kid come in um and I'm learning a lot of peds ortho which is great because I think ortho is probably my weakest thing um so overall this past month has been great aside from the fact that I got COVID a couple weeks ago and was out of work for like 10 14 days something like that that was fun do you are you able to smell again <laughs> I can smell again. Um, That's good. For, for those listeners out there, I, I texted Zach when I had COVID because, you know, my symptoms were super mild. Uh, I had like a runny nose and a headache. But the weirdest thing was I could not smell anything. Like I couldn't smell coffee. I even tried like sticking my nose in a bottle of vodka. Could not smell a thing. It smelled like water. And I had like a clear nose. I, it wasn't like I was congested. It was bizarre. Um could but, you still like taste like, or did it really affect like? Did you just eat bread? Like, could you not even taste? So it, the taste was a little weird and like harder to tangibly describe. I, I definitely had a decrease in my appetite, and I think it was because my taste wasn't fully there. But it wasn't as profound as the lack of smell. The lack of smell was like concerning. I smelled my bottle of bleach, and I couldn't smell bleach. Like. <laughs> that's whack that's so crazy yeah it's whack um huh well i'm glad you're okay man i was worried about you thanks man. i was i was calling your program and making sure you're alive <laughs> uh note to those people out there um <laughs> respond to text messages in a timely manner especially if you have covid
but that's all I need to say. Yeah. This this punk, he's like, I got COVID. And then like a couple days later, I'm like, how are you doing? And nothing. And then nothing. And then I text him, I'm like, whoa, are you okay? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously, obviously busy. And I thought he, was, I thought he had died. So. <laughs> um, I ended up calling his program being like, is he alive? <laughs> I'm Which, so what, glad. Was, was that mildly embarrassing? I actually didn't even. Uh, I actually didn't even get in touch with them. But <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, lucky for me, you got voicemail. But hey, I got to check on. I got to check on my people. I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let you die in, die in freaking like in a corner, not able to smell anything. Like <laughs> <laughs> going out the worst way. <laughs> oh my god! Good times. Back. What would I do well, without you? We we are all glad that you have survived COVID. Thanks, man. And I'm not looking forward to when I get it, um, but I'm sure it'll happen eventually. I guess so. I just wash my hands. No. Keep washing my hands. Keep wearing those wearing masks. My mask. Yep. Yeah. And staying at home. So, anyways, um, well, that wraps it up. So again, all of the people that are gonna have all of the thoughts on the medications. This is a medication case very medication-y so feel free to send us emails zach at emclerkship.com mike at emclerkship.com um feel free you can also do any comments like below the post on the website i'm putting all the show notes now on the website i've been getting like so many freaking emails about show notes i get them every day yes i took down the old show notes but i'm adding them to the individual episodes it's going to be awesome and it's going to be more organized but if you want to go to the website and comment on there too um then i can respond that way as well and so can mike so But that wraps it up. Um, Until next month, keep working hard, keep studying, be sure to enjoy your shift.